I worked on the line, too. I was blue-collar, too. Yep, I was laid off, lost my white-collar job, took a drastic pay cut, and ended up on the line for nine years. Seven years white-collar, seven blue-collar. I was willing to work wherever I could, despite my education. Not many executives are willing to take a blue-collar job when things get rough. Not many. He looked at his watch, and I thought about my own future, a future as dark as the night. I pulled down the visor, flipped open the vanity mirror, and when it illuminated, I stared at my image. My father's image. My face was Enrique's face. The face of a real man. A face not made for billboards and magazines. I used his pocket watch, a timepiece that had been his father's timepiece, a pocket watch that had kept time for decades. But the world had changed since Enric walked on top of this littered soil, and not for the better. No one would say it was the best of times. It was bad for Wall Street, the housing industry, and law enforcement, and a travesty for the car industry. I didn't see another way out. As the SUV hummed, I asked Eddie Coyle, What's the cargo you have in the back? I told you already. What are we waiting on? Godot. The man who had appropriated the name Eddie Coyle was in the driver's seat, both literally and metaphorically. Ice spotted the sides of the roads, and icicles hung from barren trees for as far as the headlights from passing cars would allow me to see. The same symbols of a harsh winter hung from interstate signs. Detroit was in a deep freeze. The chill that had crippled the Midwest and parts of the North sat on us as we waited on the right shoulder of I-94, the engine running and the lights off. It was 12.30 in the morning. Five minutes later, another Cadillac Escalade pulled up behind us. I kept my voice smooth, masked my nervousness, and asked, Are you expecting company? My brother. So you didn't come from Rome by yourself? I haven't been alone all evening. You said you worked with two other guys, Rick and Sammy? From time to time. Which one is your brother? Neither. My brother is Bishop. We call him Bishop. What's he doing back there? It's going to be our lookout. You and your brother could have done this alone. If you want to make it to the next level, you'll do this, not him. He's already in. When there was a break in traffic, we stepped out into the cold and moved to the back. Eddie Coyle popped open the rear of the luxury SUV. The interior light revealed a man stuffed inside industrial carpet. He had been rolled up like a cigarette. He wore wingtip shoes that were similar to mine. The man had been a professional. As we grabbed the dead body and unloaded it from the back of the SUV, one of Detroit's landmarks, the giant Uniroyal tire, towered on the opposite side of I-94. A freezing drizzle tapped against my fedora like an erratic heartbeat, that same freezing water adding weight to my long wool overcoat. The ground crunched underneath my Johnston and Murphy shoes as I held onto the feet of the dead man. My breath fogged in front of my face and my lungs contracted with each frigid breath. We were about forty yards into the brush and debris when we heard a boom, then in the distance the sky lit up. It was a new year, and fireworks brightened the suburbs. 
For three seconds, if anyone on I-94 had looked into the wooded area that served as a barrier between the interstate and a strip mall, they would have seen two men wearing suits carrying six feet of carpet off into the nether regions. The carpet moved like a giant caterpillar battling to become a monstrous butterfly. The man in the carpet kicked, his right shoe slipping off his foot. Startled, I jumped and caught my breath. I didn't yell, but inside my head my voice screamed, and I abandoned my end of the rug. The dead man wasn't dead. Eddie Coyle dragged his end of the carpet another ten yards before he let it fall hard. While the man kicked and fought until the carpet unrolled, Eddie Coyle reached underneath his suit coat and pulled out a handgun. The man wore black socks and wingtips. Nothing else. He was naked, pale, tall, and no more than thirty years old. His wrists and mouth were wrapped in duct tape. He struggled to get free.